Welcome to the PDL's official podcast, hosted by me, the commissioner and the owner of the Delco Dreamers, Tommy Yu, and I'm Darren from the Carolina Thunder. It's time to sit back, relax, and get ready for us to get off topic as possible. Hey guys, welcome back to the pod, I guess. We took a little bit of a break, but the combine is starting soon. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But this kicks off the official off-season project that we always do where we break down each team. But the one thing that we're doing differently this year is we used to go worst team to best team. But uh, Darren and I kind of sat there and thought about it this year. And we're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Because typically the worst team is you would think have the most active off season, right? Because they probably have high picks. They might be making trades, whatever have you. And the team that just won, it's very rare unless they completely blow it up where they have a lot of things to talk about really in the off season. So with that in mind, we decide to kind of flip it. Why not talk about the best team, which means we're talking about Darren's team because he just won, which also means Darren is not here today because it would be weird for him to cover his own team, even though I bet he would like to. But I had to bring on essentially his uh, nemesis. So I feel like even though, Darren, you just won the league, um, my co-host here, I don't know. Greggy, you going to say some nice stuff about Darren this episode? Well, I thought you said we were talking about the best team in the league, but we're talking about Darren's <laughs> team. So, oh, here we go. I love this. Hold on. So, so you oh, know no, Darren no. more than anyone else in this league. Um, can you answer this question? So. If, for those of you, I mean, we've mentioned it before, like the show doc. So there's a big Google doc and Darren, like a week before we're recording this, went in and he made the template for us to fill out. Like he put my name, he put Tommy's name in there. Like he wanted me to record this podcast. So my question to you is he knows I'm not going to be nice. Like there's been zero indication of me being Correct. nice at any point in the two years I've been in this league. Does he have some sort of like, like humiliation fetish? Does like he get off on this? Like what? Why does he want this? Why, Maybe why did he not to put like Brian in here? <laughs> oh, well, that's a great point, actually. But I, I actually probably feel like he would love that. Actually, he would probably love if I was removed from this and it was you and Brian. That would infinitely be a better episode. But anyway, let's get back at the matter at hand. I think what Darren is trying to do is maybe like a challenge, right? He's like, all right, Greg always talks shit on me. But if I just won the league and now he has to cover it, like he has. Like, he has to at least say something positive then. So he's probably tuning in now to be like, I know I'm going to get shit on, but maybe, just maybe, I'll get a couple of, you know, I wouldn't say compliments, but um, this, a, this a criticism machine, the criticism machine goes up to 11. And I'm, <laughs> I'm kicking it up. No days off, especially in the offseason. You're like, you know what? It's been a while since I talked to these guys, actually, because, you know, it's a little bit slow in the offseason myself. I've turned into a yow. I know that, but I, I'll slowly be able to, uh, Come back, don't worry. But before we jump into the actual breakdown of the Carolina Thunder, um, I did want to mention at the top the owners meeting. I know that I kind of sent out a poll, didn't do much of a follow-up, but I knew that once a podcast gets back rolling on a normal schedule, uh, I'll obviously return my activity to Sleeper as well. This was kind of like a mini break for me as well, even though I feel like I've been on a break for like the last four months, whatever. But owners meeting, I feel like we narrowed it down to two dates right now that has the most votes. It's March 7th and March 24th. So you listeners, please, please, please put a little bit of thought on this because I would love to narrow it down to at least one date. So after this podcast releases, I will release another poll with just March 17th and March 24th. And um, 
once we have that date actually finalized, then that's when we could talk about time. I feel like that one's going to be tricky too, because we have people from all over different time zones, but because it's on a Sunday, um, hopefully we could be a little bit more flexible there. So with that all being said, Greg, do you have anything else to add? No, it's a Monday for me. Um, and if I show up, <laughs> you get humiliated if you're not there because it's going to be, we did it what, like 10 p.m. Eastern last year around that? I it, think so. It's 4 a.m. for me. It's 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, so what's the most convenient time? Wouldn't it be fair if we just do it the most convenient? Let's do 4 a.m. for us. Yeah. Oh, actually, so I, I didn't tell you this, uh, and I don't want to go on a daring tangent here, but I will actually be in the U.S. for an entire month um during the spring so i have a sabbatical at work that i'm taking and i'm taking it to go visit my parents um and i planned it so that i'll be at home i, I arrived the week of the nfl draft so i'll be able to watch the draft from a normal time zone um on the east coast and then i'll be in the u.s for all of may and i go back like the day or two after memorial day um so i'll be more active and i can like work on the trades and stuff like that so that's just a, a PSA for everyone in the league. Um, I should be more active, especially if we have the draft during that time. I think that's right around when we have the rookie draft. You won't have to wait for me uh, overnight to make picks. You know, that's music to Darren's ears because Darren's always the one that tries to get the rookie draft pushed up more and more. So don't give him any more ammunition than he already needs because that would just make it a huge headache for the commissioner of this league. That'd be awful. But with that being said, Let's just dive right into it. The Carolina Thunders, they just won the league, which is uh, pretty fantastic. Joins the ranks of Murphy Street Empire and Delco Dreamers as the only current active teams to ever win um, the PDL. And first, let's jump into that quarterback room. Greggy, this is typically where Darren actually kind of reads off the quarterbacks that they have. So I'm going to have you... Kind of play that Darren role since we have this beautiful show doc that was filled out by Darren. But the little Greggy twist is how about you just mention the quarterbacks that you feel like deserves to be mentioned? Um okay. He has oh, no. Anthony Richardson. Oh, you can't is that, do that. Are, are we done? You can't do that. So obviously the biggest takeaway from the Carolina Thunders was the quarterback depth last year obviously that came to play but you could make the argument the two best quarterbacks on this team were hurt last year and didn't finish the season uh one being ar-15 anthony richardson and two being the quarterback that everyone in the pdl unanimously hates darren included is deshaun watson um but in a fantasy context he obviously did okay while kind of playing obviously but with that being said other quarterbacks that we have to mention mr greggy even though you didn't want to matt stafford baker mayfield who's currently a free agent um and that's pretty much it right those are the only ones worth mentioning i know darren has he more, put but brady I... on the dock he put brady on the dock he didn't Why even did put, put free agent My, I don't know. no this is what happens he when just you put brady. power with the dock you, he just oh puts names God. on here but yeah. with that being said, obviously the first four that I mentioned are the ones that are actually worth talking about. But first, let's just talk about the two quarterbacks that he used to make the argument are the best that didn't finish the season. How much of a difference do you think um, they'll be this upcoming season for this team? I mean, having Deshaun Watson and Anthony Richardson sure 
feels a lot better than having Mayfield and Stafford. And that feels weird to say because those two just won Darren a title. I, I don't really agree with that. I think Voldemort's the fourth best quarterback here. Um, like oh, Richardson, you're not putting yeah, Brady ahead sure. of him? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> he's, he's going to score a lot of points from the booth next year. Um, <laughs> Got that contract too. I, I would say Richardson, Stafford, Baker, and then Watson, I guess would be my ranking. Um, assuming Baker is back in Tampa and they also bring back Mike Evans. I know that he lost Dave Canales. I don't know how much that played into it, but I I don't know. People keep this Deshaun Watson stuff. Like people keep saying he's gonna be good and he keeps not being good. And <laughs> Darren's gonna say, Oh, he was good for fantasy. Like all right, he put up like a couple hundred yards and maybe a few touchdowns, but he got outplayed by Joe Flacco. I understand the contract he's on, but if he doesn't play better next year, this is a team that's defense could win the Super Bowl. You know, what look at what the Broncos are doing. Russell Wilson was better than Deshaun Watson was, and they're gonna take a what sixty million dead cap hit to to get out of his contract. So it wouldn't be unprecedented for them to move on from him if if he shows exactly what he did last year, next year. So I I just don't I don't know. Like I watched him. He played the Steelers. His arm is such a noodle, man. Like there's so many times he just throws the ball at the receiver's feet. I don't know what's going on. I think he's mentally absolutely weak. Uh, physically, I think he's frail. I just, I don't see it with him. So uh, to me, I guess the good news for Darren though, is even if Deshaun Watson is his fourth best quarterback, that could still work, especially if Anthony Richardson's able to stay healthy, which I, I feel like that's not a fair statement to make because I feel like he's only played like one full NFL game. With that being said, if Baker Mayfield does go back to Tampa Bay, having Matt Stafford kind of hold down that QB two position in that super flex and having Anthony Richardson in a points per game basis. Once again, if he's able to stay healthy, uh, especially with Steichen there being able to kind of, you know, fine tune that offense to all of his strengths. I mean, it's hard not to get excited. And yes, like we, we all hate Deshaun Watson. We all know that um, he obviously is not, been playing to the expectations that whatever Cleveland saw in him, hoping that they could get whatever Houston was able to get before, you know, all of this terribleness ensued. But with that being said, he still finds himself in a pretty decent position because he holds, I know we haven't gotten there, a lot of draft capital. And this class has a lot of quarterbacks. So uh, once again, getting a little bit ahead of myself, Darren's first pick would be 108 there is a possibility that he could just scoop up another quarterback if he were to go that route, right? Yeah, I, I think we're a bit early to see. It, it could be like a J.J. McCarthy, but then he's probably a guy who you want to sit for a year, which mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. he can also afford him to sit a year. Um, so that would be fine. But otherwise, you're looking at like a Bo Nix or yep. Michael Penix. Right. And I don't, I don't I think 1-8 might be rich for them. Um so I don't know, but I don't think he necessarily needs to do anything in quarterback. I think that could be a point of improvement, but I, I don't think he's, well, he, he obviously won the league, so I don't think he needs to do mm-hmm. anything at any position specifically, but um, I I just think it's going to come down to Anthony Richardson. So can he stay healthy? Can he learn to not concuss himself running into the end zone? It, it was a plethora of injuries too. He injured his knee and then missed the end of one week. Then he concussed himself, 
missed part of that game, missed an entire another game, then played a full game, and then came back and injured his shoulder. So was, I don't know if it's three freak accidents or him just not like realizing these are fully grown men and he's running into them and just carelessness. I think he'll make the adjustment because he seems like a smart guy, but um, until you see it, you a little bit concerned there. I do feel more like more reliable or more positive towards Matt Stafford after mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. Cause the previous year he looked like he was going to fall apart. Like there were questions like, is his neck hurt? Is his arm? His like, wife was coming up and like, he's not yeah. retiring guys are like, wait, wait, wh- when did anyone say anything about retirement? Yeah, we like no problem. I'll wheel him into the stadium in a wheelchair. It's fine. <laughs> but I, I feel good about him as QB2. And then I, I think Baker will see if it's a Geno Smith situation where he had one great year and then all of a sudden gets a kind of mid sized contract and then falls back to earth after his OC leaves. Uh so so we'll see there. But I don't I don't think he's necessarily like the best. Well, he's definitely not the best quarterback room in the league, but he's not the worst. He's he's kind of in the middle of the pack and got a lot of production out of kind of like undervalued guys this year on, on route to the championship. Yeah, I think he really proved that in a league that really prioritizes the superstar quarterbacks, he was able to get through it with just depth, like kind of like what you mentioned, value. Stafford was able to deliver. Obviously, Baker delivered. Um, so and Flacco had his instance and whatnot. So I feel like Darren has really proved that depth has been able to kind of push him over the top this year. So let's jump into that running back room. This is a room that uh <laughs> Darren has very been uh very outspoken about kind of hating this position, um, because he loves those wide receivers. So so that kind of makes the running back stick out a little bit. But um, yeah, how does the running back room look like? So Jameer Gibbs, Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift, who is a free agent, Javante Williams, and then Brian Robinson. Um, I'll also mention Antonio Gibson and Drew Bobbert. I think they're worth, worth mentioning. Oh, yeah. I agree. Um, That's depth right there. That's a lot of names. Yeah, but so Swift, is he coming back? Definitely not coming back, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I it, anything, it, it depends on fan. Swift and the contract that he wants because Howie's definitely not going to pay him. That's even with the cap going up, I really doubt he does that because that's just not like a positional group that Howie puts a lot of like money on. So it, it's completely up to him if he wants to return, but I agree. It's been like silent. So I have absolutely no idea if Swift doesn't go back to Philly. I have no like, has he been connected anywhere? I that's why I said because. I didn't know if Philly Insiders maybe had some info. I have not heard his name mentioned at all. I was actually a little bit surprised when I just read that he was a free agent. <laughs> and I'm normally kind of up to date on the news. I just haven't heard anything about him. I don't, yeah, I don't know if he's just traded like, well for him and starter. those contracts up. We didn't extend or anything like that. But from my last understanding of how it went, is like the ball's kind of in his court because there's an understanding of being like, hey, he could probably get more money elsewhere. But if he wants to stay, I don't um, know if he can this probably year. Probably work though. something. Like, there's a lot of guys better than him. Oh, yeah. I guess for... it kind of works out for Philly then. So I guess best case scenario is definitely him returning to Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's going to bring him in as a lead back. He was fine this year. I don't, I don't You're the Philly fan. He seemed fine, like adequate, just kind of like a jag. I mean, our whole guy. entire offense is kind of horseshit, and Swift didn't look like horseshit. So I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, but do you think he played well enough that another team is going to be like, all right, he's our oh, starting no. running back? Oh, no, no, no. I think we all know what DeAndre Swift is at this point. Um, he could definitely go in spurts and be able to handle a workload, and I feel like him kind of falling off 
later this past season wasn't necessarily his fault. Obviously, we all know kind of the implosion that the Philadelphia Eagles went through. But yeah, I agree with you. I think after everything we've seen up until this point in DeAndre's career, I would also find it hard-pressed for another team to be like, all right, let's give him a contract. Let's make him 1A or the 1. So uh, he would have to be in some type of complementary role. So I think best-case scenario for him is he does return back to Philadelphia. But boy, we are spending a lot of time on Swift when Darren has a lot of other running backs to probably talk about, right? Yeah, I mean, Gibbs and ETN, I, I don't know that there's a lot of talked about. They're both like top 10 running backs. They both have pretty solidified roles. They're both going to be relevant. Um, I think the only way that they would be, let's say, like disappointing next year would be for injury. Because there was all this offseason buzz of Tank Bigsby. Oh, man, he's going to come in and take ETN's job. But it looked like garbage. <laughs> he can't hold the ball. Like, that was a problem in college. It was a problem in training camp. I remember seeing articles like, oh, man, he fumbled and stuff. And then, yeah, it was a problem in the NFL. His fumble rate was like, well, he had three fumbles and like 20 touches or something. I don't know what it was. I shouldn't make up numbers, but it was pretty high. I'm trying to High enough where been. if he was on Bill Belichick's team, he would 100% would have been caught yeah, he already. He had two, two, fumble, two fumbles, two lost fumbles on 50 rushing attempts. So that's <laughs> 25 a game. So like if you imagine a rushing a running back is 25 touches a game, like our, our true RB one, that's like one fumble a game. So you can't, you can't do that. So I think ETN's role is safe. Gibbs's role is safe. Um, especially with like, there's no way they do anything in the running back room. Montgomery's going to come back, be the kind of workhorse between the tackles guy. And then Gibbs will be explosive change of pace guy who still gets enough production on the air through the air to be relevant. Javante Williams is interesting to me because what's going on. He's in had some more time as well away from that injury. Typically takes yeah. a little bit. Sean Payton running backs are typically, you know, pretty productive, but uh, I, I kind of hear where you're saying it, it, it's interesting, right? It's not set in stone with Javante Williams just yet. Um, we just need to see the Javante of old. And I feel like this year I, I just haven't, seen that glimpse of him maybe i'll have to touch base with tanish a little bit more because i know uh he's a denver fan but yeah i just feel like this year i just you know sometimes you get those little glimpses right like i'm trying to think of other running backs coming up like uh reese hall he was kind of like slow coming off of that injury but you still saw those glimpses and then obviously second half of the year he was fully back whereas with javante i feel like i never really saw old javante yeah i don't even remember that much from him. My, my concern is less the injuries. I think he will be better next year. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a good running back. But who's their quarterback? Like, they're going to cut Russell Wilson. They're not in a position to draft one of the top quarterbacks. So are they taking, like, a Bo Nix, Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy-type quarterback? In which case, I don't f- I, I don't know. I don't feel that good about the offense. Or are they signing a free agent? And there's not, not that many good ones out there. So I, I think there's a world in which the offense is worse now that they don't have Russell Wilson. So if the offense is worse, I just like his opportunities less. And yeah, I don't know. A lot, a lot of, there's a lot of quarterback questions that are going to be answered in the next two months. And that kind of dictates how I feel about some of these running backs who just are in bad situations. Like it's kind of also Chuba Hubbard. If you think about him, like there, I saw the article today, talking about like um, 
oh, he's a workhorse and PDL chat is talking about it. Like, I don't care if he's a workhorse on the worst offense in football. Like if they, if the team doesn't get better, the running backs are not good enough to change the team by themselves. So I just don't care about running backs on bad teams generally. So Denver is kind of a question mark for me at this point. And, and Brian Robinson in Washington may, may be the same thing. I'm really interested to kind of how, see how that goes because when I see Washington now, I just think of Cliff Kingsbury, right? Because that's kind of the context that you have to kind of see how that's going to play out. So I'm really interested to kind of see how I guess that's going to turn out for the Washington like skill position players. Uh, obviously, Brian Robinson falls into that. Uh, Darren also has Antonio Gibson as a free agent. Uh, so I don't know if he's obviously going to return. Doesn't seem likely. But regardless, that is still a lot of names, especially with the incoming uh, running back class projecting to be so weak. It doesn't hurt to be a little bit deep here. Once again, we're not saying it's a little bit superstars, but at least hopefully um, some starters flex-worthy players when it comes to the bottom of it, the only real question mark being just some of these uh, free agents that haven't signed, such as Swift and Gibson that we mentioned before. So let's finally jump over to uh, Darren's crown jewel, his favorite position group, the wide receiver. How does this look like, Greggy? C.D. Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Debo Samuel, D.J. Moore, Deontay Johnson are his main receivers. I don't know if we should read the other ones. Yeah, I I'm sorry to break it to you, Dare, but um I, I, I think the only one worth mentioning in the second tier that he has is not the first name. Definitely not. Definitely third not name. the second name. Yeah, third name, right? Yeah. Jerry Ugh. Judy, I yeah. guess. You you can we'll say it now. Yeah, I'm sorry. That kind of felt that felt a little bit gross, but I mean we're gonna sorry, talk about Dare. the Broncos all... again. Yeah, we, we we don't need to hash Jerry Judy anymore, but let's talk about the Cream the crop. CD Lamb, has he done enough to finally vault himself up into the Justin Jefferson chase tier? Um, in your opinion, obviously. I mean, uh, for me, honestly, Jefferson's in a tier by himself. I don't think Chase or Lamb are at Jefferson level. I agree. I think that might be it depends how big of a tier gap you want to do, but people keep grouping people with Jefferson, and I don't think that's fair. He he's dominant. Every time he's on the field, even with crappy quarterbacks, he's been dominant. So one season from CD Lamb is not going to put him in the top with Jefferson, just like Chase's rookie season. He was great, but he hasn't been as good as he was his rookie year. So they're great talents, but they haven't put it together on the field as consistently as Justin Jefferson has. So mm -hmm. no, but I think he's in the tier with Chase, if that is better. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. So I guess my next question kind of has to do with not the biggest question mark, but one of the most tantalizing players, and that has to be Garrett Wilson. And with how the Jets are looking, they're obviously expecting Aaron Rodgers to be back. So I guess take two with Rodgers. Is this finally going to be what everyone expected Garrett Wilson to be leading into last season? Uh I don't have that much hope for Rodgers. I don't know how you feel. I think he... I feel like he has at least one good season left of him, right? I'm not saying elite. I'm not saying like MVP Rodgers on Packers, even though that was only just a handful He's of coming off ago. of a blown Achilles. Yeah. He's 40 yeah. years old. Their offensive line, outside of Elijah Bear Tucker, can you name someone like Makai Becton? But I think he might be a free agent, and he's also not been good. Yeah, offensive line's terrible. So you have an immobile old quarterback who got injured four snaps in the last season, <laughs> and you're you're excited about his 
prospect. I mean, maybe if every throw is like a slant and then just like, all right, hike the ball, throw it, like get it out as quick as possible. They could do uh, that. Maybe Garrett Wilson can do that. Sure. But I don't think you're going to be necessarily excited with that. And I, I don't know. I, I, the, the feelings about the jets have just kind of gone downhill. Like they're, Maybe I'm too sympathetic towards Zach Wilson, but they really did not do him very nicely. Oh no, uh, they no! Threw I'm him under the bus all the time. The team... He just, he just let they just let him um, seek a trade, didn't they? That just, uh, yeah, went out today as breaking news, and they looked at that. I was like, wow, this is what is considered breaking news nowadays in the offseason, huh? I just don't think there's a lot of talent. Like Garrett Wilson is great, but who else on that offense? Like he's not the offense. They have a terrible offensive line. Their Brees tight Hall. end is like Brees Hall's Conklin. great. Sure, okay, receiving weapons. I mean, but oh, sorry, yeah. But Brees Hall didn't look that good running behind that line. He would have one big play, and that would make up the whole game. Otherwise, he's even coach was saying, "Oh, he's inefficient. He's like two yards." And Brees is like, "What the hell, man? <laughs> I'm getting hit four <laughs> yards in the backfield. What do you want me to do?" So maybe if they go all out and really address. The offensive line will feel differently, but we're sitting here at the end of February. Free agency hasn't occurred. The draft hasn't occurred. And I don't know. There's not a lot of free agent great offensive linemen out there. You kind of have to do it through the draft. And they might try to get a sexy position like a Brock Bowers or something like that. So I don't know. I I feel kind of neutral on the Jets. Like I, I don't have a huge expectations for Garrett Wilson, but I also don't think he'll be terrible unless Rodgers gets injured again. I'm just, I'm scared for Rodgers, I guess, which also means I'm scared for Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Garrett Wilson obviously winning Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, sorry. Um, his rookie year and having such high expectations last year, I feel like the best way to put it is, if he was on my team, I don't even know if I feel confident putting him in the flex. You know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, God, I, I hope he, he can do something. Seven total touchdowns. He has three touchdowns last year, four the year before. He scored almost the same amount of points, 174 his rookie year, 165 last year. I don't think you were that happy with him either year. Well, to be fair, I was going to say, how many passing or receiving touchdowns did the Jets have in totality right like i bet it I wasn't that much but that, i mean that's the source of the problem right that's still a garrett wilson run because he's yeah. on that team so i completely agree with the point that you're bringing up but i would think that the ceiling of those touchdowns would be higher with rogers but i mean you make a great point he got hurt three snaps until last season and it's not like they address that offensive line with like pro bowlers all pros and all that kind of stuff because they have a lot of other holes to fix as well so it should be interesting but before we move on to the next position group there's one more receiver i do want to bring up it's not deontay johnson it's actually oh, dj man I know it's not Deontay Johnson slander time because I feel like uh that had too much our time. But DJ Moore, there's trade looks... rumors. Oh, is there? You well, see that? Who... Pittsburgh uh, beat writers. Well, who Say are they it, connecting? Uh, I don't know anyone. Just kidding about it. Because they're <laughs> they're Steelers just trying gonna... to be like, please. Steelers aren't going to renew his contract, so um, yeah, okay. They they're might trade to him to try to just get capital. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, DJ Moore. Yeah, yeah DJ uh, Moore. It looks like once again, it looks like. Fields might be on another team because it looks like Caleb Williams is going to go number one uh, projected to the Bears. If that were to be the case, uh, what are your thoughts on DJ Moore with Caleb Williams over in the Windy City? Um, Are we in this scenario? Do they take a wide receiver at nine? Like Odunze? I feel like they... Or not. 
I feel like I I want to say yes, but how about, how about this? Give me an answer for both realities. Let's say A, they do, and B, they don't. If if they do, I think he'll be worse than last year. Okay. Because I mean, as he much was as like I love Kelly Williams, receiver six or something like that. He was like, yeah. I mean, he was just feel the lock onto him. Be like, all right, yeah. I'm just throwing this DJ more. He's like, I don't he's... know. How... <laughs> but I mean, the production. I don't know how much of it came from that one game where he went nuclear for 45 points, but I know you can't take that out. But still, um, I I think if he's the only show in town. I'm kind of interested, but as big of a fan as I am of Caleb Williams, again, like this is a new offense. Um, historically, Chicago is not that great at passing the ball. I, have I a lot think of I just him, saw but... a stat that if Caleb Williams averages 225 yards a game for 17 games, he will yeah. be the leading, all-time leader. Yeah, all-time Browns, leading Bears. season. Yeah, for the Bears, which is... Oh, but I, I just... I think... Long term, I wouldn't be concerned, but year one, you never want to rely on a rookie quarterback. So I think you would expect an immediate downgrade for him, probably either way, maybe, because I also think Caleb is not necessarily a lock on to one guy. I think he'll mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he'll go through progressions, he'll find open receivers. So if there are other guys in the team, um he'll, he'll find, find them. And I think they have to do something at wide receiver, right? Like yeah, Mooney's probably gone. They have Cole Komet, sure, but they're not going to hugely involve a tight end in the offense. So you need a second receiver somehow, either through free agency or the draft. If they bring in Odunze, I would be kind of concerned because I just think DJ Moore and Odunze are probably not that far off talent-wise. And I think there's a scenario in which maybe not the first year, but second year, Odunze is a better receiver than than DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a hot take or not, but... I mean, he's going mocked pretty much every draft in the top 10, so he's clearly talented. And, and I think some would... people are even trying to say that he's the 1B to Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah, who a lot of people like, and I, I do too, I think he's been pretty spot on a lot of the times, um, has him wide receiver too, and he said there's not a huge gap between him and Harrison. So I don't know. I think we're early in the offseason to give a lot of opinions on, on some of these guys, I think. Yeah, no more nebulous situations. Well, that's why it's always fun to kind of discuss that in the offseason because it's still, you know, kind of that fantasy. We still get to kind of be like, oh, what would happen if this and that? But now let's go to your favorite position group, the tight end room. Now, what does this look like for uh, good old Carolina Thunder? TJ Hawkinson, the aforementioned Cole Kmet and David Njoku. No, no, where you want to start. Not a fan of who? I said oh, not Noah, Noah Fant. Yeah, no, no mention for Noah Fant. No, I mean, is he relevant? <laughs> I, I, yeah, other I than his draft capital, not. would you ever mention him? No, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, I get that there's some like late career breakout guys, but how many more tight ends just never become anything? That's a lot more chance there is than than him actually being something. He would have to go to a team desperate for a tight end, maybe like the Bengals. Even then, he's still going to be like the third target, which is not that exciting. I, I just think the ship has sailed for, for no offense. So, not really. Yeah. Um, I think if he's on waivers, maybe I'd put a fab bit on him, but I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in him. He does kind of follow the David and Joku mold of like hyper athletic tight end that maybe falls ass backward in something. I don't know, but I don't have a lot of faith for him. 
So I guess this is slowly going to be turning into a Vikings podcast because I know we were just talking about Justin Jefferson. Now we're going to be talking about TJ Hawkinson because obviously he had another great tight end season uh, before getting hurt, obviously. And it doesn't look like he's going to be at least starting uh, the 2024 season, right? Because he had his injury a little bit late into the season. Um, Or am I misremembering? Yeah, he... I don't know. I saw a... No, that was Higby. Higby start going to start the year on pop, um, but I think Hawkinson was. Yeah, okay. T.J. Hawkinson could miss the first month of twenty twenty four season. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that makes sense. So he could he could be on the pup as well. But um, what I want to talk about Hawkinson, I guess, kind of ties back to the Vikings. Is do you think Kirk Cousins is coming back to Minnesota? Probably. I don't know. I think he wants to come back, but. It doesn't I think he seem, goes back. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like they're going to give him the money that he wants. I think Atlanta would be the only team that might be able to lure him away. I don't know if there's another fit that he would like better that gives him an opportunity to win. Because if he went away and moved his kids and stuff like that, I think it would be for an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. And I don't think any of the other quarterback needy teams are in quite as good of a situation as the Falcons are. So I think those are the only two teams for me. But I I would lean he's probably back in Minnesota. The reason I bring that up is because obviously Kirk Cousins and Hawkinson have really good chemistry. I feel like what he gets targeted like fucking like nine times a game or something crazy like that. So I feel like in uh you know we're uh tight end premium league. So that is definitely puts them as always one of the higher echelon tight ends but he had David Njoku finally break out so even without TJ Hawkins services for what looks like projected for a month I feel like having David Njoku looks pretty solid do you think what he has shown uh, is like that next step or do you think with Deshaun Watson coming back that's kind of going to put a damper on things the second one really you don't think David Njoku did enough now to be like all right we could kind of have it all not like feature him and be the engine of the offense or anything like that, but at least be like, all right, he's done enough to at least demand some targets and stuff like that to make it work. Do you think Deshaun Watson is just so bad where it's still not going to be enough? Not going to be the Maybe. Flacco I think they're and Joku have a new experience? Offense, right? They have a new OC. Yep. I think. Um, I don't know. Chubb will be back. I mean, part of it was a perfect storm where like Deshaun Watson was injured and he obviously had a better connection with Joe Flacco, who throws it deep, which is kind of what Njoku's skill set is, right? Like he's athletic, he gets open down the field, big plays. He's not a move the chain types type guy, like yeah, I don't know, like a Pat Fryermuth, some you know, reliable target. That's not really Njoku, he's big play. And then Chubb is out. So Chubb is the focal point of that offense when he's playing. It's not the quarterback, it's not the receivers, it's Nick Chubb, run the ball, play defense. So maybe it changes. I don't know. And there's also, I've heard rumblings from my friends in Cleveland. They're probably going to bring in some sort of receiver, either in the draft. They don't have the first, but um, there's a lot of depth at wide receivers. They could bring in a guy to compete for targets. And then you have Cooper, Elijah Moore, a rookie, David Njoku, plus a heavy running game. I don't know. Too many mouths to feed, too many people to try to feature in Cleveland kind of thing, right? I mean, that's my problem with all these tight ends. If they're not the second target on the team. It's I, not I'm even not worth that it. interested in them. Yeah. Like then you can just get replacement level with like a cheap, like whoever's going to get a touchdown that week. Right. Yeah. So 
I don't know. If they don't do anything to address the room, then I'd be more optimistic than I am right now if they don't bring in any wide receiver. But I expect they have to do something to try to make Deshaun Watson look better because otherwise they look terrible. They look stupid if they give him this contract and then he looks terrible. So I feel like they want him to have weapons so that he could look better. Or at the very least be like, well, it definitely wasn't Cleveland's fault because they gave him as much as he could possibly need to try to succeed. And he still failed kind of thing. But let's jump over at least to the draft capital now that Darren has, because we just talked about all the different positions that he has. And of course, Darren has multiple first round picks because that's just what he does. Uh, What is kind of, uh, yeah. How many picks does uh, Darren have this season? Uh, Five. Put me on the spot. I had to count those. Uh, 108, 112, 302, 307, and 401. So two good picks, and then the rest are kind of a little take bit a shot, later, I guess. For sure. So with the amount of quarterbacks that are in this draft, I feel like that's going to push down some skill position players, and I feel like that definitely helps Darren. But at a caveat to that, this class looks like it's kind of not – I wouldn't say loaded wide receivers, but I feel like that's one way to put it. There's a lot of wide receivers in this class, like a dime a dozen. And that kind of sucks for Darren because that's one position group that he doesn't really need to fix too, too much. But it surely couldn't hurt because I feel like he's just not going to be able to help himself and just grab whatever his favorite receiver may or may not be at some of these picks. But what do you think uh, Darren's thinking at pick 108? I know we kind of talked about maybe J.J. McCarthy at quarterback. Um, Do you think he has... He's, that's probably way too early for any running back, right? Because right now, the way it looks like, it doesn't look like uh, any running backs are going to be projected to go that high in the PDL draft, at least. Uh, speaking of, you know, February 28th. Yeah, 108 is the first pick right now outside of that first big tier of the three wide receivers, the three quarterbacks, and Brock Bowers. So assuming all of those guys go in the top seven, he has the choice of the rest of... So the second tier quarterbacks or maybe the best running back or the second tier wide receivers. So I don't really know where he's going to go. And I, I mean, I don't know him that well, but I assume he probably doesn't know where he's going to go yet because that second tier is going to be defined a lot on draft capital. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Brian, Brian Thomas Jr. If he goes, I don't know, top 15, maybe he's the clear 108. Uh, if a running back goes in the early second round or, or hasn't necessarily good fit. I mentioned before, was this in the podcast or is it before recording? If Blake Corum goes to the Chargers or Jonathan Brooks goes to the Dallas where he's been linked, I think those could be hot running back picks and they could sneak into the back end of the first, maybe more with the 112 than the 18, but um I'm not too sure. I, I that that is the pick in the draft where everything for me kind of just becomes question marks. The top seven is pretty clear at this point, and then outside of that, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I feel like that is going to add to the fun wrinkle of what Darren kind of gets to look at in this offseason so far. And I'm sure he has formulated a lot of different thoughts. And I feel like he's at a pretty good position. We, once again, already talked about his quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end rooms. Not that many 
holes. He just has depth everywhere. So he might also be kind of in the luxurious position to just be like, all right, I'm just going to go BPA, see if anyone gets desperate, see a player that you just said in that top seven that looks kind of solidified. What if, what if someone just randomly falls? Uh, someone uh, really likes someone else and they kind of aren't able to trade back, say, all right, screw it, I'm just going to take him here then. And someone kind of falls out and now Darren's sitting here being like, all right, I can just take this guy. But now all of a sudden, you know, someone's knocking on his door saying, hey, I have an offer for you because I really, really want this guy. So I feel like either way, he's kind of sitting pretty nice. So that being said, would you say uh, Darren's pretty active in the trade wire? Because uh, we're going to be talking about some of the recent trades that he has made recently in this past year. But um, are you expecting any moves from him? Uh, whether it be some of those uh, players that we just talked about or uh, some of the draft I guess capital that he's accumulated. I'm I'm not that sure. So since I joined, he hasn't been doing that many trades. I would say, um, you um, you guys said when he joined, he did a whole bunch of trades to kind of rearrange his team, and he traded mm -hmm. a bunch of players mm -hmm. away. But that doesn't that hasn't really been the case for me since I joined. Uh, we have four trades here, and I would say three of them. Two of them are probably not that relevant. One of them is meh, and then the other one is a, kind of a big move. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to rock the boat too much. I don't know what he thinks of his team, uh, especially at the end of the year. He stopped talking about his team because he was worried about cursing it, so he just stopped giving any sort of information whatsoever. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll go through the, the trade ideas at the end here, but I don't know. I think there will be a lot of offers for guys at 108. I don't know if he'll entertain them, if he'll maybe move up try to get a little bit more star power because that's what I would maybe try to do when when you have a team that is already maybe, deep. Would you try to try package to get 108 and 112 and try to move up? Yeah, or package 108 plus a player and get a better player. Ooh, something like yeah. that. I like that. Um yeah, I think I think the the later picks he might try to trade out of because he doesn't have a lot of roster space. So making two third round picks and a fourth round pick maybe the fourth round pick someone offers him a third next year and he's like all right just push that roster spot off for another year uh, that might make some sense i don't know I, what's your feeling yeah no i think you hit the nail on the head i feel like darren right now is kind of in a luxurious position i mean he just won the league um he has depth everywhere and i know i just said he could just go bpa but as far as moves go i couldn't agree more with you i feel like the way that I would navigate if I was in Darren's shoes is to try to make that upgrade somewhere. And with a team that has already won a league, that means you are littered with a lot of great players. I would just try to pinpoint someone whether... But that's kind of the hard part too, right? I think it's so easy for us, or not easy, I wouldn't say, but it's so easy for people to say, oh man, um, you know, if I was Darren... I would look at, you know, probably looking at Debo Samuel, probably looking at Deontay Johnson and be like, you know what? I probably want to get out on these guys. So let me maybe package one of them with 108 and make a substantial upgrade somewhere else. But now the question in turn comes into, well, you always have to have a trade partner. And I think this is something that we were talking about before we started recording a little bit, Greggy, is that PDL is kind of solidified a little bit because we have a lot of these owners that have kind of solidified or have been a part of the league for a while. So they have a plan that they've kind of been unraveling slowly in front of us and they're kind of sticking to it. And as you mentioned, this is the first year uh, where we haven't had turnover in owners. So everyone's kind of going with that same strategy. It's very rare. Whereas uh, in past PDL history, we would have a new owner come in. They would 
have a new wrinkle. They want to make this team their own. So they would start making all these different moves. And that's kind of the new influx of life. Whereas right now, it, it doesn't seem that way. So if you and I are kind of thinking, hey, maybe he does maybe trade these late first round picks and move up in the draft or package it to make an upgrade somewhere. Do you, can you even think of a trade partner that would make sense? Because I feel like Darren obviously has a lot of good players that aren't obviously too old. So he has a lot of good things to work with. So I guess it's just all of really identifying which position he would want that upgrade for. And so I guess this is just a long window way for me to ask you then what position group would you be identifying as being like you know what i if i were to make an upgrade to this team this is the position group that i would want to make that upgrade to well i I mean for me i would want to upgrade quarterback but i also think that's the hardest one to upgrade so realistically i think running back i would try to do everything i could to get one of the like elite workhorse stud running backs like well, I don't know if we want to go into the trade trade offer section now. Or we're gonna stay with Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's just go right there because we're already kind of talking about it. Okay, um, so I would put feelers out for yeah, basically any of the top running backs. I think you're a decent trade partner. I know you guys have never traded, and you say you will never trade with him. McCaffrey would be a great fit for his team. He needs a little, just a little bit more at running back. So even if I don't I don't know what value you're looking for for it, but if, if you if you would offer 108 and 112 plus Javante Williams or something like that to get the true stud running back, you get younger, you get two players. He has gives ETN and McCaffrey. I mean, I think he's then the favorite to repeat at that point. So I don't know if that's something you would even consider. The other options would be someone like Brees Hall, but I don't expect Welch to be trading him right now. He's his only running back. Mm-hmm. Bijan. I was just gonna say, um, Reese was one that came to mind with Welch, but I'm not really sure how he's navigating things right now. Because if you're Welch, you also have to be aware of the shelf life of running backs, right? So you want Reese if you think you could use him for that run. If not, I would, I wouldn't say cash out, but try to kind of see where I could kind of capitalize. So I guess in that context. Maybe we'll get to that when we cover Welch's team, probably. But I, I that's why I feel like it might not be realistic because I obviously, like you mentioned, you just said that's like his only running back. So I feel like he's going to be attached I mean, that's to him. A, if he trades him away, that's like a perpetual rebuild. Like he's going to be rebuilding <laughs> exactly. for another three years. So I, I don't think he would do that. I, I feel like of the, the, of the top running backs, I think like obviously you've put McCaffrey on the play, trade block. He's... A little bit older, so maybe Darren doesn't like him, but McCaffrey's also really good. So I feel like he recognizes that. I Brian's always willing to trade. So I feel like he would at least listen on Bijan. Obviously, he gave up a lot to get to get him. He loves him. Man, but Darren has imagine Darren getting Bijan. That would shake up the league. I mean, I know the offers he was willing to give me last year for it. And they were pretty substantial. So I I, I feel like Maybe that's a, a sneaky trade. I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't. Ooh, I don't here, know how about Brian this. Want to give up. How about this? This this sounds stupid, and I it sounds stupid coming out of my mouth, but it's definitely not going to be as expensive. But what about Saquon, free agent right now? Might be connected to L.A. 
Uh, I mean, if he goes to that Harbaugh system with the Chargers, I mean, that'd be, I, I know I'm putting on tinfoil hat right now, but definitely not as expensive as the other ones. But wherever Saquon ends up, I would imagine he would be the workhorse, even if it is back with the Giants, which obviously yeah, but, would stink, but, you know. But I think there's a difference between him and CMC and Bijan, because CMC and Bijan, <laughs> both on like teams with good offensive lines. Yeah. I mean, CMC is just on a good offense in general. Bijan on an offense that is projected to be better. But you also have to think about like Darren though, because like for Darren, I think there's a reason why he hasn't actually reached out for Christian McCaffrey because it's just the age. Whereas for me, that's why I said Bijan might be the sneaky one. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Ryan's probably going to flame me in the chat for this right now. (laughs) Ryan's always said like, he said everyone no, will always price, listen. So, that's yeah, yeah, that's why Brian's good. He he's he'll always listen. Uh, at the very least, he'll never shut that door, uh, which is always what you want in a trade partner. But I think we kind of hit it on like potential different trade ideas. Uh, so let's just kind of go back to the script and say, well, 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 I know we already talked about strengths and weaknesses. I think we both agree. Uh, strengths will probably be that wide receiver group, right? Yeah, and I think the tight end room is a strength comparatively. Oh to yeah, the rest tight of the end league. definitely for sure. Um, and I take I would say quarterback, overall quarterback depth is really strong. Depth, depth, depth is a strength, but I'd say the weakness is like the top end. Like if like he's competing stars. against you or Max, I think you guys have better star power at the quarterback position. Even my team has better quarterbacks now, so I think you would like one of those other elite quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, may maybe get there. But I think if you want to be a long-term contender, that's he needs to lock one kind of down. the ticket. And and that's, to me, also one of the differences is you can definitely succeed with short-term quarterbacks. But to me, getting one of those franchise quarterbacks is, it's the, the long con, right? So you can, you can get a short-term thing and it's going to work absolutely fine year to year, but then you're going to have to keep paying for it you know, how long is Matt Stafford going to be around? Um, Deshaun Watson maybe theoretically is around for a little bit still. Like Tannehill he bought for set. Even Baker is like, maybe he's got this contract, but if he doesn't play, you know, he's not as secure as a guy like like Mahomes or Allen, right? So you're talking about a 10-year investment in a player. So obviously it's going to cost more than getting a guy who's going to be good for two to three years. So I I think at least in my eyes, that's a weakness just because that's how I built my team. But he can also just keep buying sort of fringe roster quarterbacks like older guys like Matt Stafford, Baker Mayfield, uh, Derek Carr, that type of quarterback, and he can absolutely compete like that. But I, I think if as long as he gets a star power at somewhere else, I think it's also it's fine. But for me, the the top-end quarterback room is a little bit weak for him, but the depth of it is a strength. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so I guess that brings me to the final point of weakness. Um, And I feel like he kind of hit it. And I feel like his strength across the board, I couldn't agree more with you, is definitely uh, depth. But I think superstars, the high end, like, oh, my goodness, am I shaking my boots when I'm playing them? I mean, there are definitely Anthony Richardson can definitely get there, right? Because on a points per game basis, um, that would have been terrifying. But it's such a small sample size that that's not really a fair statistic to bring up. But outside of that, and like CeeDee Lamb, uh, Jameer Gibbs who else are you absolutely terrified of? Uh, And that's not a good metric to go by. 
because he has so much consistency and so much depth and good players that can contribute where I feel like if he's able to trade some of these assets to players or other owners and be able to slowly cash and make that upgrade, I feel like then he'll definitely be able to kind of extend the long haul. But once again, you have to be nitpicky when you're talking about the defending champ, right, Greggy? Uh, sure. I mean, should I also mention that he had some tremendous luck that Gibbs and ETN played the entire year. So his running back room is probably one of the least deep of his team. And he also had his starters play the entire season with no injuries, which for a running back room is very, that's impressive, very lucky, which you always get lucky. Like when you win the league, you have some, some stuff bounce your way. So that's always the case. But um, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think the star power, we mentioned this last year too, and he didn't do anything and then he won the league. So <laughs> hey, he's showing us because let's this team has everything in the works to be able to go back to back, has the depth, has the draft capital make moves, has once again, I know I, I didn't mean to say depth the first time actually, but has the depth to make upgrades is what I meant to say. Because it's one to just have it, but it's another to be able to have so much of it where you can make packages elsewhere to slowly make upgrades without really sacrificing too much because you'll still have additional depth left over. So Darren, you're definitely sitting at a pretty good spot. So Greggy, I have great news to tell you. We're done talking about Darren because what you I want to ask- not going to do the trades? Oh, shoot. Any of the trades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some of these trades. Well, okay. First, let's. we don't even need to talk about the Sutton Jerry Judy trade. I don't don't really know. I, I mean, I guess we're talking about every single one, but that's kind of... Would, would you say... What was your reaction when this first happened, actually? Um, It was Sutton and a four to Hollywood, and he got Judy and a three. I mean, to say I would have that I had a reaction would be over estimating. <laughs> I was like, oh. You just saw okay. a notification on your phone. You're like, okay, that happened. You just like acknowledged it's, it. It's basically how I feel like when there's a new chat message in the league. I'm like, oh, okay, I read that. <laughs> yep, absorb that piece of information. That's pretty much yeah. how I feel. I mean, yeah, do you feel no. any more enthused about that? Uh, no, the only thing it does is it confused me a little bit because I was always like, oh, yeah, Sutton, that's on Hollywood team. So all I had to do was like, oh, shit, now these are on different teams. But it didn't really make an impact for me because I was like, I don't think Darren's ever really going to start Judy. Like, And if he does, that, that would be not a good position to be in. But then we had another riveting trade of Pierre Strong and 312 over to the Dallas Strip. And he got Brian Robinson. So that's quite the pickup for him, actually. Yeah, I think Brian Robinson, he, he cashed in here on Robinson being one of those guys similar to Madison was like early in the year where mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no no clearly no one in the league likes him. So if you want to sell him, you just sell him to get rid of him. Like Gabe Davis, you bought for a third and everyone complained about it. But what did Gabe Davis do? Like, Nothing. Uh, like I, I think Brian Robinson's that tier of... I also used a third like on Desmond him. Ritter. Look at me go. Yeah, but... But but I also just Brian Robinson is uninspiring to me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> is it because of his name or play replaced. style? He, I think it's the play style thing. Like the the only thing that makes him even remotely cool is that he got shot. That's cool, right? That's like to me interesting. The only cool thing, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. To me, it's like, oh, he's an Alabama running back. He got shot. He has so much swag. Then I watch him play. And I'm like, you know, kind of, kind of want. I want more. He's there. I mean, he was on an uninspiring offense. Um, I, I, I think he's one of the guys who, if he was starting next year, I'd be like, oh, okay. But if he got replaced, it'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. 
<laughs> I, th- I think he's just kind of a depth running back, right? Like he's not if if you're starting him in fantasy, I don't think you feel that great about it. He was giving you numbers, but I I just don't think he's a a long term asset, I guess. And that's kind of how the league feels because I think this was basically all Welch could get for him. Yeah. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. So on to the next trade is when Darren sent the 212 last pick in the second round over to the Cal- I mean it was just a second when he sent it. He's being oh, well, yeah, dramatic yeah, in a document. Yeah, he, is. he really is. He sent a second round pick to the California earthquake for David and Joku. And so obviously this one is a big one because David and Joku broke out in a big way, right? I guess. It's a tight end. I mean, if he went back to exactly how he was before last year, would anyone be shocked? Was it a breakout <laughs> or just a perfect storm of situation to have him be relevant? That is, I don't think anyone would be surprised to be like, oh yeah, that blip where David Joku went off with Flacco for a little bit. Yeah, I remember think, Flacco. Right? Yeah, that man, cool he was throwing bombs everyone. Like, and Amari Cooper did all that crazy stuff. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that. Um, I think but it's yeah. a value, but... I, I mean, when it when it was sent, it's basically like what a mid second for David Joku, which I think is absolutely fair in hindsight to attribute it as being twelve twelve is, I think, dishonest. Um, but I, I think it was still fair value. Maybe you could get more from Joku right now, but the tight end market in this league is also not that great. Like, I, I know I shit on tight ends a lot, but other people aren't really buying them either. So, I think people are cool to spend a fourth round pick on like. Logan Thomas and play him, right? Like, I don't know. There's not a lot of tight end movement, as, at least from what I remember. Yeah, I. it's very rare where tight ends go for a lot of high value, regardless of the fact that we are in tight end premium because it's just so negligible. Uh, but I would definitely have to agree with you. A, a second round pick for David Joku at the time, uh, completely fair. It's just, uh, we'll see. We'll see. You just have to give this a little bit more time. So the very last one was actually the first one that I, I actually thought of when it came to trade was one that actually probably helped Darren um contribute to the championship run that he went on is when he acquired DeAndre Swift um for the 111 which turned into Kendra Miller uh that's what Max wanted um because I obviously Max was trying to get into the first round was able to get Kendra and I think uh this was pretty much like I would say a win-win for both sides right because Kendra Miller hopefully has some bright days ahead of him with all he has to do is usurp Amara so hopefully he'll be able to do that eventually uh, and if that's them. Yeah, just outlast him, really. Just outlast another. I think uh, right now, with the way the contract is, Kamara is there for at least one more year, then it should be the Kendra Miller show. And if that is the case, then that will be great for Max. Uh, because for DeAndre Swift, I know Darren is not going to complain because DeAndre Swift just had... What, what running back did... He was a top 10 running back this year, right? What? He was yeah. running back 23. What? DeAndre Swift? Top Man, 10 what running back? I thinking about? Cool. Are you on drugs? What? I, I very well could. Wasn't he on pace? Was he really running back? To, wow, man. I'm probably thinking of what well, I don't know he what was you're... on halfway through your season. That that's completely on me. Hold on, let me let me look. Start stalling, my boy. Start talking about the. Trade. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I mean, that trade. I, I think Max was still okay with it because Max really liked Kendra Miller. Like I remember he was posting all the hype articles in the chat and stuff, and he even DM me like, "Yeah, Kendra Miller." Like. He's gonna catch the ball a lot and stuff like that. And I know Darren likes Swift. And I thought I thought that was an out of uh character trade for him, like trading for Swift's not an old running back, but he's older, like right, his, his rookie contract's over now. 
Um, he hadn't been successful. I guess he just liked him as a prospect and wanted DeAndre Swift. I don't think it's incredibly impactful as a trade. If if Achan would have gone with the one eleven, maybe it would have been more impactful. But I, I think, I, yeah, I, I was kind of confused when you were saying like Swift contributed to his run. I don't even remember him starting DeAndre Swift. Maybe he did. Um, I, I don't thought, really Sorry, it. yeah, I was definitely miss. I, I was sorry. I'm looking at the uh, top ten right now, and. I have no idea where I came up with uh, Swift being in there because obviously, I, oh, I think I was trying to attribute ETN and other people who were, oh, Joe Mixon. I was just randomly looking at people that were surprising me at end of season stats. But okay, anyway, sorry. sorry, getting back on board. Um, when I was, I should have disagreed uh, with you. Swift, been like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm derailing now because I'm looking at uh some of the pace that DeAndre Swift was on. Uh, it was actually the beginning. Uh, from weeks one through pretty much, I would say seven, he was pretty solid. He contributed like 25 MO, points, right? 14, 15, 13, 13. Yeah. And then he was he still also able to contribute a little bit into the playoffs, right? Um, Week 16 against Giants, he had 15.2, running back 14. So once again, either way. Yeah, I, I just I, like... I just don't remember if he started him or not. I I, have, no, I, I thought he had we got derailed ETN and Gibbs like, locked in. So... But he might have. He might have flexed him. I don't. I don't remember. We can, Darren. Yeah. You can answer this. Oh, Did you 100%. feel like DeAndre Swift contributed deeply to your championship run? Or oh, I know what beats Darren up because he has said, and what once again, this could just be for show. But he said if he held on and didn't get DeAndre Swift at uh, for that one eleven, if he kept that pick, he would have taken a chain or a chance. Oh sorry. yeah. Yeah, and Anthony Richardson can't throw. He is <laughs> not even a quarterback prospect. Yeah, we, we believe this from dishonest Darren. Yeah, that's when he. Uh, that's when he'll go back to all the rookie drafts. Like, I would have picked this guy here at this pick, and this guy here at this pick. Yeah, easy. My to team would have been Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, <laughs> AJ Brown. But. With that being said, now that wraps up Carolina Thunder. You can tell it's been a while and I am still sleep deprived, but the combine is right around the corner. And I believe, Greg, you said interviews are already underway as of when we're recording this, right? Yeah, Mike Tomlin's already having dinner with, with the guys. We're going to hear the <laughs> yearly articles about how the Steelers are interested in players because they had dinner with Tomlin. Meanwhile, I he must be having like six dinners a night. I don't know what's going on. He just uses this to get free dinners. I guarantee you. This is this is why he's a head coach still. He's just I like, swear yeah, to like God, like they're going to steakhouses, they're going <laughs> oh to like Roots God. Chris, and he's just ordering everything on the menu. And then he's he's like, oh, they're like, welcome back, back coach Tomlin. And the prospect's like, oh, were you here last year? He's like, no, I was here at five. I, they're probably I like early a, bird special. Yeah, like he just orders like, yeah, I'm just gonna have a baked potato. I gotta cut back on red meat because I had like four steaks already today. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I don't know, but I've already seen the article. The who's the the linebacker? the top linebacker, whatever they interviewed with Tomlin or he already met with him. And that, that always comes out too. Cause then the prospects always think Mike Tomlin's really cool. So they're like, Oh man, I want to go play for Tomlin. And then we always get hyped to like 16 different prospects. And like, <laughs> man, we can't draft all of these guys. So yeah, it's kicked off. I think they're, they were doing like uh, media interviews. And if you've already seen some of the coach quotes, like I think Mike McDaniel gave an interview. There's already some quotes from that. So they've, they've been interviewing people. Um, there and I saw Marv walking into the building. They had a camera in his face, 
and Caleb Williams apparently arrived. So all the stars are descending. Oh boy. So that means hopefully the PDL chats is going to be popping with what Twitter videos of just nonsense. So we're going to compare hand sizes again. (laughs) Right. Oh man. That was, that was fun. Do we know everyone's hand size in the PDL yet? Don't you have a spreadsheet for that, Greggy? Weren't you tracking? You should. I don't remember. And I didn't even have like a measuring, like a tape measure or anything. So, so I don't even know how big my hands do are. A PDL Not that big. Yeah, makes sense. I also have a fucked up uh, thumb, so I can't extend my, my thumb all the way. So I can't be a quarterback. That's why I'm not a quarterback. That That's the only thing that was holding you back, though. If yeah. you didn't have that thumb issue, you would be right now probably on your own dynasty team. Uh, yeah, I play, I play in the German league. That's why I'm <laughs> over here. Yeah, absolutely. But what are you uh, most looking forward to? I know we kind of talked about this a little bit. We had a lot of people obviously opt out, which has been a little bit unfortunate. Marv obviously being one of them, but he has, you know, he really shouldn't have even showed up, doesn't need to. But um, yeah, what are you most looking forward to seeing? So personally for me, I'll, the, the main thing I like is the non-fantasy prospects. So like, edge rushers that's a huge correlation between people being great athletes and being great edge rushers um potentially other guys that the Steelers or now the Chargers that are my second team could be interested in like linemen I like watching them run there's going to be some really fast linemen this year um linebackers like Steelers need a linebacker so that sort of stuff but it's, from fantasy perspective I I guess there's not a lot at quarterback like maybe McCarthy will test well maybe Bo Nix should run pretty fast I'm interested to see how fast Penix is because you expect him to be pretty slow. Maybe he's a little bit faster than people think. Uh, but for me, it's a, this big tier of like second wide receivers. So like Ryan Thomas, uh, Troy Franklin, you expect him to be fast, but if he is 6'3", 180 and he's fast, that's not as impressive if he's 6'3", 195 and he's fast. So that that's mm-hmm, a big difference mm-hmm. for me. Like... Uh, Xavier Worthy, what is 80 Mitchell height, like that that sort of stuff. So there's a huge tier of guys, and I want to see how they test. Like Lad McConkey is going to be fun. Maybe he runs the agility drills and blows those out of the water. Um, stuff like that. This kind of second, third round wide receivers, I want to see how they perform. And maybe it gives us a little bit of clarity of like, oh, okay, this guy's definitely a late round one pick, or maybe this guy's going in the third. Maybe he didn't perform that well. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for movement within that wide receiver group because I I think a lot of teams are going to view that differently. They're going to have specific needs and wants from wide receivers, and there's going to be a lot of movement just based off of the the combine this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the thing I'm most excited for is kind of not really expected. It's actually the running backs because I feel like the running backs are kind of going under the radar this year. Everyone's saying it's one of the weakest projected running back class. Um, and they could very well be right, but I feel like the combine is going to be an opportunity for the running backs to kind of be able to show their thing, right? Because that's essentially what running backs are. I feel like they're just athletes on the field and that's all they need to be. So I want to see what these measurables look like. Are these like six one, two hundred and twenty-five pound guys or 
are they um all smaller than actually projected and whatnot but i think the most important part is obviously going to be a lot of people getting fatuated the 40 time and things like that but regardless i just want to see if there are any freaks at running back position that people just weren't expecting i guarantee there's going to be just someone really really random right that just comes up and be like oh my goodness did you see troy benson is you know he measured in at 6 1 225 ran a 4 3 like holy shit maybe he is a first round runner you know what i mean like obviously i'm being exaggerating it but uh the running back class is definitely something i'm going to monitor because in dynasty you know how important the running back position is because they have such a small window and this is kind of how i played it or this is how it typically played uh, i usually don't have many picks ever um but if you ever actually greg you're one of my biggest rival in the offseason because always after the draft that's when you and i are really aggressive with fab oh, yeah. but like no one else's it's just you and like, Fawn, me baby. and you well, outside of what Tanish, Tanish went super crazy. But outside of that, you yeah. and I are typically the only people that ever bid over thirty dollars. Like everyone's like two dollars, three, and then you and I out of nowhere forty two dollars. I'm like, oh, last shit, year confused the much. hell out of me, man. Oh my I god, what but, the hell was going on? But to be fair, that's how you and I we end up with like a Jake Ferguson and Kyron Williams. And, oh, of course, I'm tooting my um, horn a little bit, but the reason I'm saying this is. That's why I'm so excited. I want to see if I can find a running back that matches what I see on tape and also has some athleticism. So then I could go back to my big boy and be like, these are going to be the guys I am going to hope either really falls in the PDL draft where I'm able to somehow trade into the late third or fourth, or maybe they'll even go undrafted. And then I can try to figure out how much fab I'm going to try to put into it to try to get them kind of thing. So um, once again, probably not the craziest running back class. I would definitely agree, but you know, would you be surprised Greggy if someone runs like a, maybe even like a four, three and we're just like, Holy smokes. Here we go. Here we go. It happens every year. I I feel like I don't right? have your take on this, but Reese Hall was one of those guys who I was like, okay, he's pretty good. And then he was still talked about as like one of the top running backs, but then he went to the combine and he tested almost like a perfect 10 athletic score. And everyone was like, holy shit. And then he definitely became the top running back. I feel like no one this year is going to be Brees Hall, but as far as draft capital, maybe, but someone could differentiate themselves from this big pack of running backs. And we could have a clear or at least grouping of running backs. Cause for me, I don't have a, I don't have a clue now. Like I know all these guys, but I, some of them could go in the sixth round and then others could go in the second round. And I, I wouldn't be able to guess right now. So mm-hmm. I just think we'll get a little bit more clarity now. I've, I don't know that I've remember a year and I've, I've been watching the draft for a long time, but obviously more recent is more memorable, but I I can't remember where there's so many good prospects and there's like good players, but they're also very kind of not grouped right now. Like the tiers are very unclear. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember off the top of my head having so many skill position players that I'm interested in, but I also could not rank right now. I really, I'm really struggling to rank guys kind of on my board. Yeah, I, I've noticed that too. I, I feel like one thing that I always used to be like the old man waving my hand in the air is I hate draft season because all too often becomes an echo chamber where there's this consensus that eventually like develops and then you'll see people make like mock drafts and stuff like that. And people start trashing other people's mock drafts. Be like, Oh, this is so stupid. And that doesn't make any sense to me because the NFL draft never goes the way that we actually expect it to. Like, did we ever expect the bears to trade all that, to move up one spot to get Mitch Trubisky? If anyone had that as a fucking mock draft beforehand, they would have been laughed out the door. So this is just a long way saying, I I agree. There's no real consensus, but I feel like this year, 
Greggy is the year where most people are kind of going to be relying the most on draft capital landing spot. Wouldn't you agree? I feel like right now there isn't so much differentiating a lot of these players in these different years that you might have made. Maybe in your wide receiver tier group, maybe, of course, you have Marvin Harrison Jr. Then you have maybe Neighbors, Adunze, and maybe someone else. And then maybe another tier, but that one tier has like seven, eight wide receivers, whereas in years past, you might have just had chunks of three and four. But landing spot, I feel like, and draft capital, is going to have a big deciding factor. How much does landing spot and draft capital typically weigh in uh, when everything is said and done for you? Um, within a tier, it matters a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Completely, but for me, I, the wide receiver is the easiest position this year. There's nothing that, let's say, like my wide receiver four right now can do to get it to the top three. Like, there's no landing spot he can go to, or. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He couldn't test well enough to get past Odunze and neighbors and Marv. That just it's not it's not possible. But I think that whole what if second Troy year. Franklin runs a four one three. He could run a three two. <laughs> and I would still not move him up. Like he he, he could, could just disintegrate from, nope. from going too fast. <laughs> like and Marvin Harrison Jr. is still gonna be record. comfortable and sleep happy at night knowing that your board did not change. Yeah. So so no, I, I don't think it matters that much. Um, at, like in the grand scheme of, I'm not going to move someone up from like 15 to three, but it, especially this year, maybe like wide receiver four could drop down to I'm trying to let me look now, maybe like nine, 10 even. And then 10 could maybe go up to mm-hmm, four mm-hmm. depending on not, not just this week, but draft capital as well. So, and for, for the running backs, I don't even have tiers right now. I just have them. I do. I do color code my tiers. It, they're all just one color now. I'm not even trying. <laughs> I'm like, fuck it. I don't, I don't know what's going on because they're some of them have very different skill sets, and the landing spot's also going to matter agree. for yeah. that. So, and that's something I'm trying to look at more um, for wide receivers as well. A guy like Troy Franklin, I think, is more similar to um, last year Jordan Addison, right? Like, I don't want him to go to a team and be the one but he went to the Vikings and he has Jefferson as the one. So he's a perfect complimentary number two receiver. And I think that's a great fit for him. But maybe if Kansas city takes him and tries to make him like their number one X receiver, I don't think that's a great fit necessarily. So draft capital fit the testing. It, it all matters in different ways. And and I could see a lot of different combinations of, of changes on my board. And that, like I said, running back, fuck it, I don't know. I think my quarterbacks are pretty, I'm pretty set on quarterbacks right now. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think they'll move at all because I expect them all. Like we know the top guys are probably going to go in the top five. And then like McCarthy, Penix and Knicks, I have my opinions on those guys. And unless one of them drops to like the third round, that order is not going to change at all for me. So the testing and, and stuff is a little bit less relevant for quarterback, but I don't know if you feel the same because you were talking about Daniels before. Yeah, no, for me, typically my quarterback rankings don't shift much. I agree with you. That's probably the position group that shifts the least, even after the draft. Um, but there are definitely tiers that are very close in the other skill position group that does change a lot. I feel like running back is naturally one that shifts the most because you never know what grade or what draft capital is going to be invested. If a running back you weren't expecting to get day two capital, obviously suddenly gets one. Now you have to kind of look at it. Whereas another running back you really like probably fell into day three kind of thing. Now you kind of have to readjust a little bit. Um, 
excuse me, but wide receiver is always so difficult because there are so many different landmines in that day two that gets selected in uh, rounds two and three that you really have to try to figure out um, because there are so many gems, but there are, it's just littered with uh, misses. So typically I try to stay a little bit more true to what I saw because at the end of the day, when I'm wrong, I want to be wrong because I was wrong with my scouting rather than be like, ah, you know, because the draft capital here and other people said they were better. I'm not, I'm That's now my just going to Thornton. pivot. Yeah. Like Remember you just I posted don't... the, the rest <laughs> of development thing. Like, no. It didn't no, work no, for no. these other Patriots wide receivers, <laughs> but maybe it'll work for me. And I traded up to, I mean, it, it didn't matter. It was completely inconsequential. I think I traded Sam Darnold for the fourth round pick or something. And I'm like, fuck mm-hmm. it, whatever. I took him. And then can you believe it? He wasn't good. But I was like, man, look <laughs> at that draft capital. It's, I think he was second round draft capital. Yeah. I was like, man, maybe Bill sees something that I don't see. Um, Which was not the case. But anyway, whatever. Took a shot. No, I love that you brought that up because... When I'm going down to sink and ship, it would feel so much better. I'm like, you know what? I'm going down because I was the idiot and I missed. Right? Shot baby, God. baby. I missed because I listened to other people. Like, there's no worse feeling than that to me. And so uh, I, I completely agree. Draft position, draft capital, of course, that makes an impact. But um, I couldn't agree more with you when you said for quarterback specifically, it probably shifts the least. Uh, and then when there's huge anomalous um, draft capital between what I view with skill position players and wide receiver running back, things like that. And what uh, eventually happens, then I have to make some movements, but I, as I've gotten older, I think it's because I'm getting lazier. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to trust myself and not look at all the aggregates of other there's, stuff. But there are definitely times where I, I miss a lot too, because I'm like, fuck, I should have listened because that this player did end up working out or this player. Did Richardson move for you at all last year? After you, uh, after like he blew up the combine, I was like, all right. I expected him to be good, mm-hmm. but not so, that good. He moved up a little bit for me. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. So my grade on him was a lot lower than consensus, but after the combine, I just kind of had to just because, you know, the narrative was literally like he's going to be the most athletic player ever to play this position. Um, So it did cause a little bit of a shift but not so much so because i think you just uh, maybe it was before we started recording but like you don't have to be an athlete to be a quarterback right i mean it, it, it's a great plus if you can utilize it as a strength but from the vast wide sample that we have that's probably doesn't make that big of a difference so to me the uh, for quarterbacks when it comes to the combine although hypocritical because of the argument i made with daniel earlier before we even start recording probably has the least amount of impact for me what i really want to see for the quarterbacks is the interviews how they perform and compete with others right because that's something we can't get a read on is work ethic and what's between that you know ears and so that's i wish they live stream the interview oh my god the, the team awesome. interviews <laughs> Some of the questions that get asked, though, it would oh, stop man. the teams from asking like super ridiculous questions. Oh yeah, like oh, did, did your mom do blah blah blah? Yeah, like oh my god, so dumb. But I- I'm also interested. Do you think this year there's going to be something else random that comes up? Like remember when the S two or whatever that testing thing came up, all of a sudden it made a big thing? Or do you think anything like that's going to ever come up there's... again, where people are like, oh, this testing all of a sudden is the standard of blah, blah, blah. And Marvin Harrison Jr. was this athletic rating in this new format, and it broke all things since Calvin Johnson or like, you know what I mean? Like, do you think something like that's ever going to come up? I think I can say this now because I got rid of the first overall pick. And it's 
I mean, I was going to make that trade regardless, but I'm, I'm happy now to not be dealing with it. I think the media, they don't like Caleb Williams because he at um, USC, sometimes after a loss, he just wouldn't interview and that would piss the media off. They're like, we're entitled to an interview. You have to come speak with us and stuff like that. So they, they do not like him and they're going to find anything they can. So it, they, they're just going to make shit up. They try it with the fingernail painting, with the crying on his mom's shoulder after an important game. Like no matter what he does, they're going to find a way to criticize him. So I expect that to happen. I don't know what it's going to be. They'll find something. And if, if they don't find anything, they'll make something up because they've already done it. And it's absolutely ridiculous. The criticism he gets. And I saw the interview today. He was like, Oh yeah. You know, if the bears take me first overall, I'll be happy to go there. Uh, if another team trades it in, I'll be happy to go there as well. So completely squash all the rumors about like, oh, he doesn't want to go to Chicago. He doesn't, he he wants to go here, there. He's going to push his way around the draft. He's never said anything to that effect. And the smear campaign against him has been ongoing now for like a year. And it's ridiculous. And I think it's going to go all the way up to the draft, honestly. So yes, whatever it is, it's going to be directed at Caleb Williams and it's going to be stupid. Yeah, I feel like do you think you could possibly yeah, I, I I agree with you. I feel like the toxicity towards Caleb Williams has been a lot more amplified because the more I like research him as like a person and like a character, I, I don't it doesn't match up with how the media is portraying him. You know what I mean? You probably know this way better than I do because you were in contentions of getting actually Caleb oh, for the longest time. I have so many but bookmarks. Like, <laughs> but like for me like uh, yeah the more i read about him the more i study him and things like that and like what how the media is portraying it, it just doesn't add up you know what i mean his dad says some stupid shit and i think his team did leak some stupid things or they asked stupid questions but that's not him it, it's his dad he's 21 years old like his dad still has a lot of control over not necessarily him but like but he's yeah, also he's going about it without an agent too. I feel like they're trying to make that. Yeah, but uh, but nothing he has ever said has indicated if if he was saying these things like oh, I want the ownership, whatever, then I would be concerned. But nothing he has ever said has indicated anything to this effect. And I I don't know. It's the same thing with Tua. Like his dad was a problem, but it doesn't matter. Like when they get into the league, they're gonna move away. They're not gonna be with their family all the time so much anymore, and, and stuff like that. And just the the things that they choose to make an issue, I have a problem with. Like the nail painting yeah. thing is so hilarious to me. Like, has anyone ever played sports in middle school playing ice hockey? Like, our chirps were so much worse than writing, like, fuck Utah on your nails. Are you kidding? We used to trash each other viciously. Like, it, it's ridiculous that people think that that's too far. You can't You can't do that in sports. Or, I mean... Do you realize how competitive these people are? It's ridiculous. Yeah, like in between whistles, they're literally trying to kill each other. And then they're like, why are you guys so aggressive and mad? You're like, what? Was What's it happening the, right now? Was it Shannon Sharp or Sterling Sharp who was like uh, calling out the linebacker's girlfriend's phone number back in the day? And he got him to take a <laughs> Oh, yeah, they would like penalty. recite it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was reciting the, the phone number of his girlfriend and it pissed the linebacker off. And then he took a penalty like two plays in a row or something like that. I mean, that's incredible. We, we need more of that, not less of that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we need good heels. That's what we need. Yeah. Uh, shit talking is... NFL would never allow sport. it. Yeah, I think maybe it's also... I, I come from like the hockey side. Like That's what I grew up playing. Um, I played it the most. And shit talking there is almost like encouraged. Like You don't get a penalty for it. The refs will chirp you. 
like the refs will come by if you miss if you miss a shot and you just like don't even hit the net you're like hey nice shot but let's skate by you I'm like what the fuck man you're the ref and you just you don't have that in football it's the no fun league man so you're not allowed to have any sort of personality and if he cries after a game he gets criticized if he doesn't cry he gets criticized for not caring so what's he supposed to do you have to do just the the goldilocks amount of everything yeah, um, you know, to a point, I, I I don't feel bad. He made like fifty million dollars in NIL, so I'm like, you know what, it comes with it. It comes with it. Yeah, it's fine, but they don't they don't do any of this stuff for Drake May. Yeah, no, that's that's one hundred percent fair. I mean, there there's a, one difference between them, and like maybe this know. is just their way of nitpicking. They can't really nitpick other things, so they're like, oh my god, look at this over here, this over here. But typically, when you get to this part of the draft cycle, it, it always gets wild. The one thing I always like to monitor is kind of what you were mentioning before. With uh, kind of like what Brees saw, you're like, oh yeah, I kind of saw him as like maybe the RB one, but after the draft, he like skyrocketed. I love to watch the players that I haven't really like noticed much. Obviously, all of a sudden skyrocket in their rankings, whether it's because of the combine, whether it's just because uh, draft Twitter all of a sudden found some analytic they love, and now it really pushes up someone up their boards and stuff like that. So that's one thing I always love to monitor, being like, oh my god, this guy came out of absolutely freaking nowhere. I remember when um, having Mitch Trubisky come out of North Carolina, I wasn't the biggest fan, but they're like, oh, he could possibly be a number one. I was like, I don't know what is happening, but it happens every single year. So this year, I'm excited to kind of see who that's going to be. Like I said, I was kind of hypothesized it's probably going to be some running back that's going to measure in and do something really, really freakish. Um, But yeah, going to be exciting to see how the um combine goes, but going to put a wrap to this one. But guys, please, please, please put a little bit more thought into that owner's meeting uh, being either March 17th or 24th. Definitely let me know. I'll get that poll up. Um, But yeah, until next time, guys, take care. All right. Now that's a wrap for this episode of the PDL podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you guys on the next one.